Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. We want to welcome you once again. Uh, we're continuing our new series called Unmistakably Unshakable. Something we need in this time, right? So let's get right into the word. Today's message is called Invictus, the Unconquerable Soul. We're starting with Numbers chapter 14 and moving to Hebrews 10. Numbers 14 from the message, verse 21 says this, but as I live and as the glory of the God fills the whole earth, not a single person, God says, of those who saw my glory, saw the miracle signs I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tested me over and over again, turning a deaf ear to me, God says, not one of them will set eyes on the land I so solemnly promised to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with such repeated contempt will see it. But my servant Caleb, this is a different story. He has a different spirit. He follows me passionately. I'll bring him into the land that he scouted and his children will inherit it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 says this, therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Let's pray together one more time. Father God, would you open the eyes of our heart today? (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Turn the light on inside of us that we can see not just with our minds, but we can see with our hearts and take hold of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in what you know and in knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our theme this month is unmistakably unshakable. It's about becoming relentlessly resilient. That's really what we're trying to do is get you to learn the, understand the art and the science of resilience Last week was Vision Sunday. If you weren't here, please watch online if you didn't get to see it or hear it and be part of that. Now, as we move forward, you know, the word of God clearly shows that the Lord never promised his people an easy life. Sometimes uh, those of us being faith people, we, we, we're believing so much for the best. Sometimes we, we look only at the best side and that's good and important in some ways, but you have to understand, you have to prepare yourself for what could happen and believe for what the best is for God to make happen. The word clearly shows that God doesn't promise an easy life. He does promise a blessed life. Don't misunderstand. He promises to bless you, and he promises he will be with you. He'll be with us no matter what. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never betray you. He'll never abandon you. He'll never up and leave you and decide to to, to just take off in the middle of the night. God is going to be with us in every time, even and especially in time of trouble. The great heroes of the faith, listen, Hebrews 11, we call it God's Faith Hall of Fame chapter in the Bible. Hebrews 11, those heroes live for God during good times and bad times. And the Bible says they didn't, many of them ever see their promise come to pass. 
The whole chapter becomes the narrative of what real faith looks like. If you go through it, it says many verses begin with, by faith, this person did this in response to God. Like by faith, Abel offered to God what God wanted. By faith, Noah was moved by God. By faith, Noah prepared an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, Abraham dwelt where God said, and by faith, Abraham waited for his promise. By faith, Sarah received to conceive at 90 years of age, and on and on and on. Hebrews eleven thirty two verse 34 from the Amplified said this, and what shall I say further? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by the help of faith subdued kingdoms. How I many know subduing a kingdom doesn't mean they walked in a park and picked tulips? You know? They subdued kingdoms because they took over their authority by force and faced the backlash and faced the battle, but they did it. They subdued kingdoms, they administered justice, they obtained promised blessings closed the mouths of lions, extinguished the power of raging fire, escaped the devourings of the sword, out of frailty and weakness won strength and became stalwart. That's what we're looking for this month, to be steady, steady Eddie, steady Eddie in these times that are troubled, even mighty and resistless in battle, routing alien hosts. And that's not the close encounters of the third kind either. That's foreign invaders. Like most people, I love to focus on the benefits of our faith, and there are so many. The Bible says in Psalm 103, bless the Lord on my soul and forget not all his benefits. But I also want us to consider the price, the sacrifice. Faith has many sacrifices. There are things you have to deny about yourself things of your flesh, things that you want, like walking past the whole three tables of goodies, <laughs> calling my name and singing as I walked in the door. And yet I looked and I did not touch. But I wanted to. Everything you do in response to the Spirit of God is a sacrifice whether it's small or big. Everything you do becomes a sacrifice. Um, I remember reading this poem years ago and I pulled it up again. Back on Super Bowl Sunday, I don't know, almost 20 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, the Baltimore Ravens used this whole idea of, from this poem called Invictus. Invictus. It was a poem from the 1800s and it became their mantra back when the Baltimore Ravens were good. Sorry for those of you that may be Baltimore fans. And it really kind of spoke to me years ago, and I kind of thought of it again. This year, I don't know who you're, if you're rooting for the Eagles or the Chiefs, and, or you don't care. Um, my family, my, my, my parents' family is all from the Philadelphia area, so I've been an Eagles fan uh, since they slapped me around and made me become an Eagles fan as a child. No, they didn't slap me around. It's a joke. Come on, lighten up. Relax a little bit. It is Super Bowl Sunday. No matter what Pastor Lindsay said, it's the Lord's Day, which is also Super Bowl Sunday, a national holiday. 
we should all celebrate this, okay? Now, to me, I'm, I'm, go, I'm, I'm going fly, eagles fly today. But hey, chief is in my name. If we, if, you know, I don't, it, it, does, it, it if, if one or the other wins, I, I win either way. So it's not a big deal. It's not, it's not a huge thing. But um, I was reminded of this poem by William Ernest Henley. This young man, Henley, when he was 16 years old, back in the 1800s, he, he lost his left leg to amputation because of complications arising from tuberculosis going around at the time. Early 1870s, after seeking treatment for problems with his other leg at Margate, he was told that it would require a similar procedure. He was gonna have to have his other leg amputated. And he instead had heard about a doctor named Joseph Lister. Anybody heard of Listerine? Anybody know who Joseph Lister was? He, was he, he started realizing that there was this there must be some invisible microbes that we can't see with the human eye that are causing infections after surgeries and different things with gangrene and that kind of thing. And so he started experimenting with all kinds of antiseptics to try to minimize different things. And and he thought that he might be able to help in Edinburgh, Scotland, 1873, this young William Ernest Henley went out of desperation to this English surgeon who was able to save Henley's remaining leg after multiple surgical interventions on the foot. While recovering in the infirmary, he was moved to write the verses that became the poem Invictus, a memorable evocation of Victorian stoicism, the stiff upper lip of the Brits that self-discipline and fortitude in adversity, which popular culture rendered into British character trait. Invictus remains a cultural touchstone. Now remember this, some of the wording. This is, not, this is not a Christian guy or a Christian poem, okay? This is secular. But I want you to hear what he talks about as he wrote. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I think whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this pain or this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my own fate. I'm the captain of my soul. Now we know as Christians that Jesus is the captain of our lives, right? But I think the poem is a reminder of that attitude in adversity is a choice. And with Jesus Christ in your life, the power of the Holy Spirit will strengthen your resolve and build your endurance you too can be unconquerable. Consider the life of one of my Old Testament heroes, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, leader of the tribe of Judah, the tribe of praise during the exodus from Egypt. Caleb's name in Hebrew means forcible, bold, or dog-like. I always thought that was, I preached a message, I don't know, 25 years ago on Caleb the, the, the dog, 
the dog man, the dog, the man with the dog heart. Back in the old days of Braveheart and all that movie, when Caleb first comes on the scene in Numbers 13, he's sent out by Moses on an undercover spy mission. Unfortunately, they sent out a committee of 12. Now let me just pause here for a moment and tell you what I believe about committees. <laughs> committees are of the devil. When I was um, first sent out from Pastor Benny Hinn to come start the church, Spirit Life, 1990, he sent me to meet with, he said, you know, I, I said, what do, what do I do? I don't know how to start a church. And I told you a couple weeks ago, he said, pray in tongues and preach the word. That was my counsel. And he wasn't wrong. But that didn't help me with anything about management. That helped me about leadership, but that didn't help me about management, and they're two different things. So I went to meet <clears throat> with this guy who's passed away now, but he's a... Uh, he was the administrator, and he kind of reminded me of Tony Soprano, if anybody was familiar with that show. He was just kind of a northern guy with probably, you know, uh, well, I won't tell you his name, but anyway, he was um, Italian and probably from New Jersey or New York or something, and, you know, and, and so he was, he was a Christian man. He loved the Lord, but um, his counsel was, <clears throat> this is what he said. As soon as you get to Ocala and you start getting people together, start forming committees and get these committees together and get everybody involved in the committee and then, uh, and then the church will grow. And uh, as soon as I left, the Holy Spirit said, that's not exactly what I want you to do. And I went home and told my wife, I said, this guy says we need to start committees and committees committees in the Bible are just like this situation in Numbers 13. It always winds up, <clears throat> see the difference between a committee and a team. Let me, I believe in teams. In a team, there's, there's one head coach. You know, there's, 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 there's one quarterback at a time. In a team, you, you, you work together in a common goal. In a committee, everybody wants an equal say. And the problem with that is, you know, I, somebody told me years ago that uh, the, you know what a camel is? A camel is a horse that was built by a committee. <laughs> everybody wants it here, they want it there, they want this over there. <clears throat> and so basically every time, now we didn't start committees, but we did start different teams over the years and a couple of times, those teams went sideways. We, um, in order to have financial accountability, which we have many layers of here for all these years, but in the beginning days, we started a financial advisory team because we wanted to be accountable with the money. And, um, and we set a thing where, uh, I think it was any purchase back then over $1,000, we would run it by this. It wasn't a committee. It was a, we told them right away, it's a team we just want advice and, and counsel. So uh, we were a few months old as a church, and, and one of the things you know, that, that happened was that we didn't have a nursery yet, and so my office doubled as a nursery. 
So during services, there were babies and infants in my office. And that was good until this one Sunday. My prized possession was that Benny Hinn had given me his executive chair. He got a new one and he gave it to me and he said, take it with you. Be, be blessed with all the office furniture. So I took it and so here's my office, decorated this, this nice velour. Uh, it was like, um, um, I don't know, wine color maybe, uh, something like that, burgundy. And uh, had, it was had gold uh, plating on, it was beautiful. And I came uh, in to, so, so it was the office and it was a nursery, so we, we nicknamed it the Nerfus because it was both. So I walked in after service. I sat down in my chair, and somebody had peed in my chair and destroyed my Benny Hinn chair. And I had, there, there, was no, there was no coming back from velour. And, and, and so I, 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 knew, I, I knew I was going to go to the nations. I just didn't know I was going to go to urinations. Sorry. So if that pisses you off, it pisses me off too. I'm sorry. 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 It's a joke. It's a joke. Hey, relax. Well, immediately I had faith for a nursery. I was like, oh no, this is not working for me. There's a space right outside this door that'd be perfect for a nursery. So we put together... Um, a team, I think Pastor Chris even helped with that. And, and we, we, we put together just a little plan and, we, um, and my wife went out for furniture shopping and got some new cribs and, and some new things. And it was just really cool. So, so one of the guys on the uh, our committee, it wasn't a committee, on, on, on the financial advisory team, we called them the fat people, <laughs> financial advisory team. Anyway, so... So anyway, one of the guys was our, was our head usher at the time, a guy named Dave Lyons. And I love Dave. Dave's in heaven now too. But um, we walked in to show a few people the nursery, the new nursery, the first Sunday was being used. And Dave goes, financial advisory team didn't get called on this. I said, well, she didn't spend $1,000. She spent like, I don't know, $600 on you know, furniture for kids. And so right away I realized that's that thing. And I just, I just tell you, I've been talking to my friends and different pastors. You know, one of the things that kills the move of God in churches is church politics. Where everybody's competing for a space to be able to launch their opinion out there and find other people who want to create misery. And the bottom line is uh, that's not God's best. Yes, organize. Yes, work through people. Um, You know, Jethro, which was uh, not just a character from the Beverly Hillbillies, but Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. And he told Moses, quit doing this on your own. Get some people to help you. Appoint some elders. So we have eldership, we have team, we have staff, we have layers and levels, but the committee spirit is a destructive force because it's an attitude. Caleb's name meant forcible, bold, dog-like. 
When they send this committee out of 12, by the way, the same number of of a jury of executioners, their mission, God identified it very easily. Their mission, cross over the Jordan into the promised land and see. Open your eyes, give eyewitness to the fact that what God said is there is really there. That God's word is true. That you're gonna go across there and you're gonna take that land. So the question as they are going across is this, is it truly a land flowing with opportunity? What's the condition of the cities? What's the condition of the people? Is the land rich or poor? Are there lush forests? You can read the scripture. This is what it says. Are there lush forests? Are there huge crops of fruits and vegetables? Are there herds of cattle and sheep? And by the way, bring back some of the fruit. So when they cross over, it's grape harvest season. And they bring back grapes and pomegranates and fig newtons. Well, they didn't have newtons yet, but they had figs. So they had grapes, this, and, they, and they, they were so massive, these clusters of grapes. I mean, Publix should be so, so lucky to get grapes like these. They had to carry them on poles between men's shoulders because the grapes were so huge and the bunches were so huge. They were coming back because they found proof that God is true. They found these massive blessings and opportunities. After 40 days, they returned to give their committee report. All good at first. Yep. Everything God said is there, is there. But then it happened. One of the men of the committee opened his big mouth and said, by the way, let me tell you about the giants we saw. Those people are so huge and their cities are so fortified, we'll never be able to take it. it's, It's, yes, the fruit is there, but there's too many obstacles. There's too much pressure. There's, it's too hard. It's gonna, it's gonna, that land's gonna devour us, he says. And he says this, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight compared to them. And so we were in their sight. Let me talk for a moment. If you're gonna build an unconquerable soul, if you're gonna build that unshakable kingdom character that God has in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's talk about how we see ourselves for a moment. Your self-image, your identity. Who do you see yourself as? Because if you see yourself in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. If any man be in Christ, to be in him, to be found in him, to be at one with him. The Bible says, he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We are one spirit with the spirit of God. I thought about the word grasshoppers. I thought about an old TV show from the 70s called Kung Fu. Send out Kwai Chang Kane every week and say, when you can snatch the pebble from my hand, See, all the older people are laughing because they know. It'll be time for you to leave, grasshopper. And he could never do it until one time he did. When you see yourself as a grasshopper, when you see yourself as less than, as weaker than, as not fitting in, not measuring up, doesn't matter if you're 
standing in a crowd or just alone by yourself. People stand in blessed places sometimes and all they can think is, I hope these people don't ever find out about what's really going on in my head. And isn't that the case for a lot of us? Are we not made in the image of God? Didn't God himself tell us that we will take back that land as our own? That's what, that's what should have been going on. That's what's going on in Caleb. As you see yourself, others will see you. And the word says they gave a bad report and the vote was 10 to 2. Although Joshua became Moses' successor 40 years later, there was only one man at first with the courage to stand up to the spineless and vocal majority. Joshua later joined, but in the beginning, the Bible says, Numbers 13, 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession of the land for we are well able to overcome it because it's God with us. It's not us, it's God sending us. And if he sends us, then he empowers us. If he sends us, he's gonna do it. God's gonna be with us. We're gonna be okay. My friends, that's the kind of grit I've been talking about this month. We need genuine leaders in the body of Christ who will quit taking public opinion surveys and lead the way with thus saith the Lord. Lead the way, not with the, from behind, not lead the way with this committee spirit. And well, well, let's get everybody, let's, you know, you know what the problem with the committees is everybody plays the same CYB game, cover your butt. And that, you know, you've seen it, you've probably seen it at work. Where everybody's just, they're trying to do what they can to position you to look bad and themselves to look good. Caleb not only knew who God was, there was a sense where he knew who he was in God and recognized who they were as the people. And I can only imagine, I mean, he, he's saying, we are well able to overcome these giants. They might be big, but God is bigger. Those cities might be fortified, but God can do anything. Listen, maybe without faith, he's seeing what maybe God could do or would do in Jericho. We'd push walls straight down into the ground. We don't know what he's seeing, but we know that he's seeing with the eye of faith and with that unshakable spirit. We will not be shaken. When God is shaking the nations, we'll not be shaken. His kingdom will not bend. His true church will not bow. As Yahweh responds to the committee's doubt and the people's rejection of God's word, he singles out two men out of three million people. See, in the beginning, I want you to think about this. So Caleb, he's standing up to the committee at first, the 10 verses two, but it becomes three million against two. And Moses presiding, three million to two. And still Joshua and Caleb stood strong. God promises that Joshua and Caleb will make the whole journey, see the promise then, and take possession of exactly what God said. In fact, Joshua and Caleb show their character because the Bible says they tore their clothes in anguish. They, they immediately, in sackcloth and ashes, they, they, they ripped their clothes and said, and went into mourning. They went into grieving and just, they couldn't believe 
that the people wouldn't listen because God had already said, crossover, just go over there and verify. They did their job and yet were nearly killed for it, by the way. The crowd got so angry, they called for the stoning of Joshua and Caleb. Interesting thing is, the moment, if you read the scripture, the moment that the people got so angry, they call for the stoning, it says, now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle. That exact moment, God stood up with Joshua and Caleb and said, you're not gonna touch them. In fact, they're the only, gonna be the only ones going in. And you're not. Talk about your sudden epic reversal. And God says to the people, how long will you reject me? Not Joshua and Caleb. God takes it personally. When he's bringing his word and people just want to play mamby-pamby games and religious head games with everything, God wants to be responded to with simple obedience. He just wants to be believed and trusted and obeyed. Amen. Numbers 14, 24 from the message God puts it this way, but my servant Caleb, this is a different story. He has a different spirit. He has a different spirit. He has a spirit willing to be different. He has a heart and a character willing to stand up and stand out against the crowd. Is your heart willing to be different than this world's culture? Is your heart willing to be different in the things where we need to be different, to stand out where we need to stand out? Or are we just gonna blend in with everybody? Thank you for that overwhelming response. <laughs> he said he has a different spirit. Not a different spirit than the Holy Spirit, a different heart, yeah. a different character, a different makeup, something inside that made him different. And God said, he follows me passionately and I will bring him in the land that he scouted and his children will inherit it. Used to be a song back in the 90s called God Seekers or Man Pleasers. I want to be a God Seeker. I don't want to be a man pleaser. You know, one of the, I was reading something earlier this week. One of the conundrums about Christian life is this we're called to be full and empty at the same time. That's an oxymoron. It's so crazy, but we're called, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, blessed are those. Jesus gives a sermon on the mount. But, you know, we're supposed to be hungering and thirsting for righteousness, but then they will be filled, right? But then they will be both full and empty at the same time because we have to stay hungry. We have to stay. That, that, that is part of the challenge of long-lasting leadership and long-lasting relationship with God is how do you stay hungry and thirsty for more of God when you're filled with him? But that's what the word says we can do. The word says we should do, shall do, and are empowered to do. Is it easy? No. Because it's two things at the same time. I am as I'm preaching to you, I am, I am praying and hoping that this word will fill you up and yet make you hungry. 
make you thirsty at the same time. I think that's part of the reason why Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. You know, if you, if you eat something salty, you ever notice how thirsty you are? An hour later, I mean, you can't get enough water. Man, I got to drink water. I'm so thirsty. Why? Because I had, I had popcorn. And it's so salty. When the salt of the Spirit is working in and through us, the world will become thirsty for more of Jesus. Come to the waters. You don't have money to buy food or drink. Come and drink freely of the water. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. God wants you full and empty at the same time. I'm almost done. Get back to your first love. To stand out, to be outstanding spiritually, is to stay passionate for the Lord. Meaning that first love. You're reminded of that first love. You're reminded of when when he first found you and you first had your eyes open to the fact that God was God. Can you remember what that was like? Maybe it was recent for some of you. For some of us, for this year, for me, it'll be 43 years. It was just a couple months after I got married to my wife that I came to Jesus. And I'd been raised in church all my life, but I didn't know Jesus until that moment where I finally recognized I couldn't save myself. I couldn't be good enough. I couldn't just, uh, up to that point, I, I really think in my mind that I thought Christianity, the Christian faith, was about me being a good person. It was about, you know, and I'm already a good person. But suddenly I realized I was empty and that I couldn't be perfect, which is God's standard. Finally this, to follow God fully. I love that part because to me, out of the meanings of the word Caleb, forcible, that's a powerful word. You know, the violent taken by force. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violent taken by force, Matthew 12 said. So forcefulness, that's Caleb. Boldness. He stood up to the crowd. He was bold, man. That's powerful. But dog-like, what is that? Well, I started to think about that. To follow God fully. You know, you, when you get a puppy, you get a dog, one of the, one of my friends has a new Frenchie, a new uh, French, French bulldog. Cutest thing, his name is Romeo. And uh, they're trying to train Romeo because he likes to chew on everything in the house. Now they got Romeo trained to go to the bathroom in a litter box like a cat so he didn't have to go outside because he's so tiny. I thought that was hilarious. I don't know about you. I think that's funny, a dog you know, going in the house lawfully. But, but they, they're training Romeo. Here's my left foot. You're going to stand there. They call it heel, right? Say they were having a healing service. Three people got it. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> let's keep moving. So, there, there's a, so the, the heel, so like a dog is trained to heel, to stay on your heel on a walk. God said, this guy, Caleb, follows me. Everywhere I walk, he's right there. And, and I said, cross over, and he crossed over. And I said, come back with a good report, and he came back with a good report. He, he's, he's following me fully. He's dog-like. 
Caleb had the heart of a dog, the best parts of a dog. He's man's best friend. Dogs are known for loyalty. A hound gets the scent of something and begins a search, following, following the trail relentlessly. Jesus' first statement to the first disciples was simply this, follow me, follow me, and I'll make you what you're supposed to become. I'll make you fishers of men if you'll follow me. Remember the Gentile woman, the demonized daughter, Jesus ignored her. The, the disciples were saying, this woman's she's a Syrophoenician woman. She didn't, she didn't belong here. She's not Jewish. She's not, she didn't have a right to our covenant promises. And she's bothering Jesus. Jesus, my daughter's demon-possessed. I'm desperate. Please help her. And Jesus looked at her and he said, because they, they, they considered the Syrophoenician people half-breeds. They were considered dogs among people by the Jews. And Jesus looks at this woman. He said, Madam, it's not for me to take the bread of the children and give it to the dogs. And the woman didn't back away. She said, Sir, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus I don't know, but his mouth must have dropped open because the Bible records a reaction here. And Jesus said, this faith of this woman. Most people want a visitation with angels showing up and everything else to confirm your word or your healing or this or that. How many times have you gone to a meeting, some of you in the spirit-filled church, looking, I hope they give me a word. I hope somebody calls me out and prophesies, gives me a word. This woman said, I don't need a word. I need a crumb because your crumb is so powerful. My daughter will be set free. And Jesus said, that's dog faith. That's, the, that's faith right there. Guys, come here. Let me tell you what happened this morning. And he said, lady, when you get home, your daughter's already whole. She's already set free from that demon. Jesus didn't even have to go there. He was already there by the power of the spirit. That dog faith. Only a few other times, Caleb mentioned in scripture during the wilderness era, each time God says the same statement. You can read it throughout Joshua. You can read it throughout Numbers. God says, and I think even Deuteronomy, it says, and this guy, Caleb, he followed me fully and he will possess his land. And then in Joshua 14, we see him at the end of his life. Caleb shows up at Joshua's new office Moses is already gone to his reward. Joshua 14, the end of verse 10, he says, Joshua, here I am this day, 85 years old, 85 years old. Look what he says. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me to spy out the land. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore, give me my mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. My friends, we need an unconquerable soul that lasts. 
We need some of you to become the Caleb's. He started out at 40 years of age. He and Joshua peers. They made it through at 85. Listen, the wandering in the wilderness was 40 years, right? Caleb waited five years beyond because the Bible says that he and his tribes helped the other people possess their land for five years. And then he showed up. And he said, remember my promise that I'll take that exact land, the land with the giants. Give it all to me because we'll take them down. And he did. Give me my mountain. Give me my promise, God. Give me what you promised me. I've made it through and I've conquered and I made it through all that miserable walking in the wilderness that wasn't even my fault. That's what I would have said. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. Come on, be real. That's what he's thinking for 45 years, probably. The voting majority cost me. But here I am. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I'm not looking at the past. I'm telling you, I'm as strong today at 85 as I was at 40. May that be your testimony. 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 That at 85, you can say, I'm as strong inside as I was at 40. Because God is with me. And I will take my land. Give me this mountain which the Lord spoke. What's our takeaway? Be a God seeker. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Isn't he found all the time? Well, that means that there are moments where he's leaning into you to see if you're leaning into him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. God is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him like a dog on the scent or on the heel of his master. Jesus wants to be pursued along with his promises. And that'll make you invictus, unconquerable. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask you to raise up strength in this congregation among all the generations here. We ask you to raise up the young people to catch that, the spirit of Caleb, to catch that heart, to pursue you, to go after you more and more. We ask you that you would help the young families to begin to pursue that growth in God, to stay on the trail, to stay on the scent, to stay on the track. We ask you to help the older generation now. Fill us with the courage of Caleb that we would stand against all the challenges and all the lies and all the public opinion that tries to pull us away from you. Lord, we stand against the oppression and we stand in your love, in your power, in your presence, and in your passion. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and be welcome among this people. And help us to be who you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Just keep your head bowed just for a moment. God's moving right now. The Spirit of God is moving right now. Maybe you're at home watching online. Maybe you're in a hotel room. 
Maybe you're in a coffee shop watching us on a phone or a laptop, wherever you are. God has not forgotten you. He's neither left you and he's neither forsaken you and he never will. But here's my question. How's your fellowship? How's your following? How's, how is your walk with God? Are you walking at his heel? Are you walking with God? What Adam and Eve missed when they sinned and committed high treason against God, the first thing they realized is they couldn't walk with God anymore. But God came and gave them a covering of skin, a covering of blood. And when he covered them, he said, now we can walk together again. And through Jesus Christ, who came to take away the sins of the world, his blood now cleanses us. His blood sacrifice now comes and fills us. And we can follow him and we can walk with God again. If you're here today and you're stuck in a rut or you're just going through the motions of your Christian life or you've settled for religious committee opinions instead of following the vision of God, I challenge you today. Put your eyes back on him. Put your eyes back on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. He loves you so much, but he loves you too much to leave you the way he found you. He wants to know you and you to know him in a dynamic, growing sort of way. Father, I pray for every person here in the sound of my voice that you'd reveal Jesus Christ to them and through them. And we thank you, Lord, for your presence. If you don't know Jesus yet, if, you, if you're not following him, I call you to adjust your walk right now. When Jacob wrestled with God, the last thing God did was touch his hip. So he always had to walk leaning on God, leaning on a crutch, leaning on something. Who are you leaning on? Leaning on your wealth, your money, your savings, your retirement? You learn, are you leaning on everything else? No, it's time to lean on him. How do I do that? It begins with a simple prayer. Jesus, come into my life. Help me to walk at your side, to be right there with you, following in your footsteps. Change me into the image of Jesus inside. In his name we pray, amen. Did you get something today? Give him praise today. He's alive and mighty. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.